1: Lifeline with Craig Roberts. But I'm not Craig Roberts. This is Brian Johnston. I'm sitting in for Craig. Craig is taking a well-earned vacation. He is somewhere to the south of us, an undisclosed location. But as you know, Craig does a lot of work at KFAX and for Salem itself. And he works very hard, so we're glad to give him that time off. Many of you have heard me before. I am on KFAX. And on other Salem affiliates on KFX, I am here on Saturdays at eleven o'clock. My program is Life Matters. little background on me. I'm the Western Director of the National Right to Life Committee, and have various other positions from the past as an advocate for those who cannot protect themselves. Those of you familiar with the right to life, you know that's really the whole heart of the right to life debate, are these human babies? And if they are, why isn't the law protecting them? So that's a big issue, but there's many other implications now to the loss of the right to life. I'm going to talk about that on this program because Craig told me to. But I also have some guests today, and you're going to hear from some wonderful folks that are very, very relevant right now. Dr. Stephen Mosher, some of you know Dr. Mosher. He's the author of a new book. He's written many books, but he's the author of a new book called Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. And that's published by Regnery, and it's out now. I've known Dr. Mosher for many years. There's probably no more experienced expert on China And on the Chinese Communist Party, then Dr. Stephen Mosher, you're going to enjoy him. He's always edifying, very, very insightful, full of knowledge. He's a polyglot. I bumped into Stephen in uh, in Madrid, Spain years ago. I didn't expect him, and uh, it was great to see him. And he was doing interviews with radio and television, Spanish radio and television, in perfect Spanish. But he also speaks several other languages, obviously Mandarin. And uh, he is uh, just a great, great American and a good Christian man. You're going to enjoy him. I'm also going to have another guest and he's a more recent friend, but this is a gentleman running for Congress, and as you know, this is a congressional year, a campaign year, and not just Congress, all the way down the ballot. We want to remind you that all civics, all politics is local, and so do pay attention to politics. We're going to have a guest who's running a congressional district, 18. His name is Peter Hernandez, and Peter Hernandez is the supervisor. He is a supervisor, In San Benito County, the new District 18 runs basically from the edge of Silicon Valley and Morgan Hill all the way down. Then through basically follow 101 generically all the way down and almost to uh, to San Luis Obispo County. It's a long, narrow district down 101. The neat thing about this new district, they say, it's a Democrat district the way it's set up. And most of the new folks in this district are actually Spanish speakers. Peter Hernandez, yeah, he speaks Spanish. In fact, that's his native language. But the neat thing about Peter, you're going to enjoy hearing from him, because Peter is very, very committed as a Christian man, obviously to Christ and to biblical principles, but he's taken it deeper. He has studied to show himself approved and Peter is very very versed in the basic principles of our constitution how it works how it's supposed to work what the kind of laws that we need to have how to pass them why they're important so Peter Hernandez candidate for Congress in the new 18th district we'll have him as a guest i think you're going to enjoy him and then as i said i've been asked i've, I've been asked by Craig uh, by the way, feel free to pray for Craig. He needs that rest. As we all do, we always need a break, each of us. You need to be uh, relaxing in God. And so Craig is doing that. Keep him in mind. He asked me, and I'm often reluctant, but I realize personally I need to tell people what I do and what I've written about. And so he's asked me to talk about my latest book, which is called The Evil Twins. Roe and Doe, How the Supreme Court Unleashed Medical Killing. The reason that book is important right now, and you probably know, Roe v. Wade may soon be overturned. We don't really know what the Supreme Court is going to do. There's many factors involved in that. I know if we did call-ins, there'd be a lot of discussion about the chief justice, those of you who follow the Supreme Court. You know, if you follow it, it's not just a or b well they'll either overturn roe or they won't it's either black or it's white that actually is very very difficult to see and, and to demonstrate and i'll give you an example as we expected roe v way to be overturned way back in the in the 90s in 92 with the casey decision but in fact as that decision came down they said a lot of different things that on the surface looked like they were overturning Roe, but they didn't. So I'm going to talk about my book and really the salient issue. And here's what it is, because the media has not told you the real facts of Roe. There's a narrative about women's choice and Roe v. Wade and reproductive rights. That is the standard narrative of the dominant media. And they pound it home, and they pound it home, and you're welcome to disagree with them. They actually, I've come to the conclusion, they want you to disagree with them because they've defined what the debate is. They've defined the narrative and what your position is. Oh, you don't like it. You're opposed to women's rights. And they have, as you know, they've defined it using slippery and false words like choice. We'll talk about that I have an entire chapter that talks about public opinion and what people really believe. And most importantly, you have to understand what is meant by the word choice. Most Californians, as you know, it's stated, they consider themselves pro-choice. What are they thinking when they say that? How do they view that word when it applies to abortion? We're going to talk about that some today. It's very important. Again, we're bringing this up. This is Brian Johnston. I'm sitting in for Craig Roberts on KFAX San Francisco. You're listening to Lifeline as you drive home, or maybe you've been home this whole time. But we're going to go in-depth on some important issues. We've got some guests coming up later in the program, and I think you're going to enjoy them. Right now, I'm talking about my book, Evil Twins Roe and Doe. The first thing you need to know about Roe v. Wade is it's more than one decision. That's right. There were two decisions. People who have been in the pro-life movement for a long time will remember that. But many who have joined the movement, even in the last few years, do not realize that there were two abortion decisions handed down on January 22nd, 1973, and they were conjoined. They were conjoined by the court, specifically Justice Blackman, who wrote both decisions, by being conjoined, it means they were kind of, you know, joined at the hip, kind of what they used to call Siamese twins. They they were they were inescapably bound together. Now the important thing about that, we now call that combination the Roe regiment, and in popular parlance, many both pro-lifers and pro-abortion advocates will refer to them both together as row. But they're two very different decisions. The Roe v. Wade decisions were dealing with the laws of Texas. And the laws of Texas had laws against abortion. And many of you, I think Norma was on KFAX in the past with Craig. Norma McCorvey was the individual, and they used a legal pseudonym to protect her identity. But Norma McCorvey was used to argue against those existing laws in Texas, and that's why it was called Roe v. Wade. Roe was her pseudonym, and Wade was the attorney general of the state. And so it was carried by a former Texas legislator, and her name was Sarah Weddington. She was a Texas state assemblywoman. You need to know this about her, and you know it from popular culture, There are some people who call themselves feminists, but then there's people who are very clear they are real feminists, what you would likely call radical feminists, and that's what Sarah Weddington was, a radical feminist, and we'll talk about why that's significant as we talk about Roe v. Wade. Doe versus Bolton dealt with the laws of the state of Georgia. They were argued separately, but on January 22nd, 1973, both Roe and Doe were decided, and they came down together, and Justice Blackman literally said, we will conjoin these decisions. Those two conjoined decisions overturned not only the laws of Texas and the laws of Georgia, but literally, the laws of each and every state, even California's law. That's right. We had a law that greatly controlled abortion, that limited abortion, particularly after 20 weeks. They weren't allowed at all after 20 weeks. That would be considered a pro-life law now. Here in California, they did have provisions for rape and incest, life for the mother, severe fetal form. You know the usual litany. Every state had laws. Every state's laws were overturned, and there was one federalized law created through Roe and Doe on January 22nd, 73. So we're going to get into that in a little bit. I'm Brian Johnston. I'm talking right now about my book, The Evil Twins, Roe and Doe, How the Supreme Court Unleashed Medical Killing, and you're listening to Lifeline with Craig Roberts, and Craig's on vacation, and we're all a little bit jealous, aren't we? Thanks for listening. We're going to be right back after this break. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. You're listening to Lifeline with Craig Roberts, but I'm sitting in for Craig. My name is Brian Johnston. I also have a program on KFAX Life Matters. It airs Saturdays at 11. Craig was kind enough to ask me to sit in for him. He's on a well-earned vacation. Have him in your prayers and in, uh, in your thoughts, because he's, he does a lot more than he lets on. He's pivotal to the Salem system, particularly here in the Bay Area. So we wish him all the best. He'll be back next week. So we're going to talk a little bit more now. He asked me, and so I'm going to do it. He asked me to talk about my new book. As I said, if you listen to Life Matters, you know parts of it. My book is called The Evil Twins. Roe and Doe, how the Supreme Court unleashed medical killing, as I mentioned earlier before the break, most people aren't aware there are two decisions, both Roe and Doe, and these two decisions combined is what makes up what we call the Roe regimen and is usually referred to as Roe v. Wade. There's great expectations now this spring that the Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe v. Wade and its implications. But we don't know how they're going to do that. And you need to know they could go in any number of directions. There's nine individuals. And those nine individuals, actually, even the pro-life individuals, have very different political and judicial philosophies. And the job of the pivotal person on the court, which is the chief justice, is to cobble those together and assign an author to the majority decision. And sometimes it's very strange what comes out of the Supreme Court. So I want to let you know that. But the reason I'm talking about this right now, if you don't know what Roe v. Wade is and what it does, then you're going to have trouble dealing with it should it be overturned and where it's going. So we're talking about the two combined decisions, the conjoined twins of Roe and Doe and what they have brought to our nation Little later, you're going to hear from uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg on this. She actually agrees with me that the media has distorted the actual significance of Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton. That should stun you. It stunned me when I realized I was onto something, and she agrees. By the way, do you know that most real legal experts that are pro choice, that are pro abortion, they are quite out front, that Roe v. Wade makes no sense. It is on a collision course with itself. It is actually made up. And you're going to hear from other people that you know are pro-choice and are members of the media. One is Bob Woodward. I'll share with you what Bob Woodward has said about Roe v. Wade and the real facts. It's rather stunning. But the rest of the media still hides this and pretends that Roe is now constitutional law, and a woman has a right to choose and a right to control her body, there's a narrative, and their job as a member of the media is to repeat that for you, the consumer. And you're willing, and they're willing to debate that, as long as you debate it on the field that they have chalked. They have already defined the debate. They've simplified it, and to be honest, they've also lied about what Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton did. So that's why this book is important. I believe it's important to the movement. And again, uh, Craig's been very kind. He wrote a form for it, but he asked me to please go into it some. Today, Ross going to have some other guests later in the program. Peter Hernandez running for Congress. Se habla español. Peter is running in the 18th congressional district, a newly drawn district. Believe it or not, this is a overwhelmingly democrat district. But Peter Hernandez is, as you might guess, a native Spanish speaker, naturally born to it, but there's so much more from Peter, you're going to be very excited to hear from him. I'm going to hopefully have him share not just his vision of of Congress, but you're going to hear, what what a great guy. So that's Peter Hernandez. He's coming up later in this hour. And then also you're going to hear from another great Californian. He grew up in the Central Valley and spent a lot of time in the Bay Area, and that's Dr. Stephen Mosher. Some of you know Dr. Stephen Mosher. He was a graduate student at Stanford, and he was studying anthropology and cultural anthropology and, and went to China. He was the first foreign student the communist party allowed into rural china and that was in the 70s he was not a christian he was simply a scholar studying what was going on there and as you now know he was the first one to expose the horrors of the forced abortion policy in rural china the one child policy and it isn't just a a policy on paper these were forced abortions And if you haven't read about that, if you don't know about that, we'll touch on that. But things have changed a lot now for China. And he's going to talk about his new book. And he is probably one of the leading experts on what's going on with China and the Chinese Communist Party. His new book, published by Regnery, is called Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. So you're going to enjoy Stephen Mosher. If you haven't heard him before, stay tuned. You will You will like the wisdom and insight of Dr. Stephen Mosher. Hey, let me get back because Roe v. Wade is likely going to be, we know it's being addressed. What the court really does, we're not going to know until they hand that down sometime this spring. What are they going to do with Roe? As I said, most important thing is to first know what Roe is and what it's done. Roe is actually two decisions. My book is The Evil Twins, Roe and Doe. The media hasn't told you about that. But you need to know that people like Cass Sunstein, Cass Sunstein had been suggested for the high court from the Democrats. Uh, Other folks that you you know very well, Alan Dershowitz, who had also been mentioned for the high court. These are the top of the line Democrat Party legal scholars, and they agree. Roe v. Wade doesn't make any sense. It is self-contradictory. It's Doe versus Bolton that carries the power. It's Doe versus Bolton that allows a baby to be killed at any time for any reason or no reason at all. Now, that's a very important principle to know. It's not talked about by the media. It's not part of the official narrative. And if you debate the narrative, They don't mind because their narrative has already defined the issue as you're the problem. You don't understand women's rights and women's issues. It's all about you being a bad person. That's the narrative they've established about Roe, but that is not what Roe is. And so when you have pro-choice folks who literally say, this doesn't make sense, you're going to hear from certain people who are documented That Justice Blackman lied. He literally lied. He has documented. He has documented that. Yeah, he he lied. He made up the entire trimester framework, the entire entire trimester system. Bob Woodward wrote about this at length in 1989, and uh, we'll dig that up. We're going to read directly from that. You can look it up now if you want to. Google it. Google Bob Woodward and the abortion papers. It's in the Washington Post. But he did research after Potter Stewart died. Potter Stewart's memos as a Supreme Court justice is he he responded on a row, and he actually told Justice Blackman, hey, there's something wrong. This whole framework of trimesters, it sounds like you're making up a law. You're not ruling on a law. You're making up your own law. And Justice Blackman responded, yeah, I know. It's arbitrary. I made it up because I had to draw the line somehow. And he admits he, he arbitrarily made up the concept of trimesters and gives the image or impression that they enforce control over abortion. But in fact, they don't. They don't. And we need to realize it's in Doe v. Bolton. The doctor is given the entire authority to kill the child whenever that abortionist feels like it. Now, that might sound alarming. You're going to hear the direct quote in a little bit. I'm Brian Justin. I'm sitting in for Craig Roberts. You're listening to Lifeline on KFAX. We have a lot of fun also on Saturdays at 11 on KFAX with Life Matters. That's my radio show. I focus in Life Matters on the life issues. And the reason I do that, a lot of folks, and again, even good folks that are pro-life, they don't fully understand the implications of the removal of the right to life. That's what came in Roe and Doe, the Supreme Court, the highest tribunal on earth. The Supreme Court of the United States said, there's no more right to life for babies. And literally, that was said in Dovey Bolton. He's explicitly said, I do hereby reduce the state's compelling interest to protect life. Now, if you're familiar with language, if you take something away, well, in a sense, you also reduce it. And in fact, that's exactly what the law did. It took away the right to life of that child. Every state, in the nation had explicit laws regarding protecting that life. Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton took away the right to life. Obviously we're concerned because what it means for babies and for moms, how moms are pushed and manipulated into killing that kid. But in point of fact, the right to life itself was removed as a consideration by the medical profession. Those implications are echoing right now. And you are standing in that echo chamber. What's going on with medicine? What's going on with medical ethics? A lot of questions are raised. I've actually asked someone. It's very clear that the current medical profession does not require the Hippocratic oath to be followed. You might have a good doctor. You might have lucked out and have someone that by conscience has decided to follow the oath, but they're being pushed out of the profession. Does Dr. Fauci follow the Hippocratic Oath? It's kind of an important question. We're going to talk about that more when we come back. You're listening to Lifeline with Craig Roberts, who's on vacation. I'm Brian Johnston. Thanks for joining. We'll be right back after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. It's good to see you on the radio. By the way, I always look best on the radio. And I'm glad you're joining us. My name is Brian Johnston. I am sitting in for Craig Roberts, the host of Lifeline here on KFAX San Francisco. You are listening. I always call KFAX the flamethrower, the Christian flamethrower of San Francisco, because you can be heard all over the San Francisco Bay and with good content, edifying content that's good for you. We're rejoining the discussion of what Roe v. Wade is. It could be overturned very shortly. I've written about that in my book, Evil Twins, Roe and Doe, How the Supreme Court Unleashed Medical Killing. And that's available on Amazon and wherever fine books are sold. By the way, and my publisher doesn't like me mentioning this, but I actually really like the fact that it's available in Kindle. And for those of you who read electronically, it's uh, it's pretty cool and because I liked it because all of the citations, and you're going to hear some today that will astound you. This book goes against what the dominant media narrative is about Roe. You've already been told what to think about Roe, and you're welcome to debate it. Please, especially you Christians, debate Roe. We don't know when life begins, but you think you do, so you go ahead and lecture us. They intentionally, in Roe v. Wade, want to lure you into a debate that's actually tangential to what the law has done. And we want you to understand that this law could be overturned very shortly. And you need to understand this battle. Again, what I like about Kindle, it gives you direct links to the original sources, not just more commentary. The book does that, but you actually can click on the hyperlinks and you can go to the sources. And so let me let me go to one right now that I mentioned. I began by telling you that the first thing you have to recognize is what even pro-abortion legal experts have admitted. Roe v. Wade does not make sense. It never made sense. It's been self-contradictory all along. And even though she ruled generically pro-life, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor put it well when she said, Roe v. Wade is on a collision course with itself. It has no foundation in either law or logic, but we have pro-choice advocates, legal advocates that admit the same. The power of Roe is actually hidden in Doe v. Bolton. The decision that came down and was conjoined to Roe, it dealt with the laws of Georgia. But now let me just read to you because you don't have to believe me You should believe the media that isn't repeated. Somebody like Bob Woodward. Bob Woodward is considered a saint among secular media. He wrote an article in 1989. It's called The Abortion Papers. It was published in that sacred, sacred source of truth, The Washington Post. So I'm going to read to you just the first few sentences from The Abortion Papers. Washington Post, Bob Woodward. January 22nd, 1989, he says, quote, ever since the Supreme Court issued its controversial abortion decision, Roe v. Wade, 16 years ago today, again, this is 1989, January 22nd, many legal scholars and million of others, other critics have cried foul. Yeah. Yeah. They have argued that the court was legislating social policy and exceeding its authority as the interpreter and the maker of law. See, Supreme Court justices aren't supposed to make law. Next sentence. New evidence has now surfaced that some of the justices who wrote and supported the opinion were doing precisely that in at least part of the decision. The opinion's author, Justice Harry A. Blackman, said in one internal court memo that he was drawing, quote, arbitrary, close quote, lines about the times during pregnancy when a woman could legally receive an abortion. In another memo, Justice Potter Stewart, who joined the Blackman opinion, said the determination in the opinion about these lines was legislative. I continue. Again, this is Bob Woodward, secular saint and hero of the truth. He continues, the Roe v. Wade memos were found among the personal papers of the late Justice William O. Douglas, which became available to the public at the Library of Congress last year. They provided an unusual, an unusual window on the private deliberations among the judges as they debated one of the most controversial cases of the 20th century. I could go on, but you need to know that this in fact is true. That just as Blackman himself knew he was making things up. And again, in my book, Evil Twins, Roe and Doe, I go in depth. This is just on the on the trimest the trimester system was never true. It was completely unenforceable. It made people think that Roe v. Wade is limiting abortion. It's controlling abortion. You're going to see in a moment that is not true. And so you have to understand that there's a media narrative that many people like Bob Woodward, they know the media narrative in sanctifying Roe v. Wade, that's completely false. It is a created entity. It's actually Doe versus Bolton. Doe versus Bolton is what authorizes the killing of these babies, and I'm going to read to you the essential quote because it's never talked about, never talked about in the media at large. But Roe v. Wade is a gobbledygook. It's companion, Doe v. Bolton. It's joined, conjoined companion. Doe v. Bolton gives unlimited authority to the physician. And this is what he says. If you recall, yes, yeah, supposedly there's these trimesters and they really they limit what happens with abortions. You just found out that's a lie. But in Doe v. Bolton, he says there's an exception. The exception on these abortion laws now in every state, one giant law, because all of their laws were overturned, this Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton law would have a, an exception for the The health or the life of the mother. So the life of the mother, by the way, that's a reasonable thing. That happens in ectopic pregnancies. That's ectopic pregnancy is when the the child is conceived, but it doesn't lodge in the womb. It lodges in the fallopian tubes, and that can risk a woman's life. So we're not setting life against life here. So that isn't what they said, though. Life or health. You have to pay attention to the language. And Justice Blackman intentionally was paying attention because this is what he said explicitly now as he defined health in Doe v. Bolton at page 183. Health should be determined in light of all factors physical, emotional, psychological, familial, and the woman's age, relevant to the well-being of the patient. All these factors may relate to health. Now, if you think about that, and we've had abortionists say as much, that can be anything at all. But how do we know that? It's not just the abortionists. There was a wise judge that participated in Roe v. Wade and clearly dissented. That judge was Justice Byron White. And Justice Byron White said, I dissent. What the court has done now has legislated and legalized abortion at any time for any social reason or no reason in particular. That's known. That's documented. That is what Doe v. Bolton explicitly does. It gives license to the physician alone. The physician makes the decision. In Roe, it, again, I can go into, and the book does, I'm talking about the book, Evil Twins. Roe and Doe, it's available It's available online. You can order it as well, hard copy, through Amazon or through any bookstore. Roe and Doe, How the Supreme Court Unleashed Medical Killing by Brian Johnston. That's me. And uh, we're talking about why you need to know this, because it's back at the court. And you just found out. You found out from none other than Bob Woodward, you found out what's going on right now. Justices right now are writing notes back and forth. Justices right now are deliberating what to do. We found out, again, I just read to you from Bob Woodward from the Washington Post, January 22nd, 1989. The entire trimester system was Created, it was a fiction. And yet you will find, I have a separate chapter. You need to know this. Public opinion is actually on your side. And yet, when those polls are taken, often, and Gallup is one, but many others will say, Do you support Roe v. Wade, which legalized abortion in the first trimester? It, It says that in the polling. It said it last year. Gallup asked that question. That's a lie. That isn't what Roe v. Wade did. You have to find out what it did. It was Doe versus Bolton that empowered doctors and doctors alone. In Roe, it's ironic. He literally writes, women have the right to choose an abortion. And then in the next paragraph, he says, they do not have an unlimited right. They have the right to seek it from a physician. Only the physician has the right to make the decision. This is entirely a medical decision. Women do not have the right to control their own body. What? Tell that to ABC News, NBC, CBS, PBS, The Chronicle. Tell it to the dominant movement. It says in Roe v. Wade, women do not have the right to control their own body. That is in Roe versus Wade. Justice Blackman said that it is only physicians that have the right to do an abortion. When we come back, we'll take this break. Again, I'm Brian Johnston. I'm sitting in for Craig Roberts. I'm talking about the Roe v. Wade decision and specifically the fact that it's two decisions conjoined, Roe and Doe. And I'm sharing just parts. There's so much from evil twins, Roe and Doe. How the Supreme Court Unleashed Medical Killing. Hey, get it at its cheapest price. My publisher, New Regency, will kill me. But uh, it's much cheaper if you get the Kindle version and everything we're talking about. All of these stunning facts that have been hidden. The links are there, hyperlinked. You can read Bob Woodward, as I just did. And when we come back, we're going to hear from another Supreme Court justice, a little friend of all of ours, who is a dear friend of Justice Scalia, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She actually agrees with everything I've just told you, that Roe v. Wade doesn't do what the media says it does. Thanks for listening. We're going to come back in a little bit. We've got some other guests later in the hour. We've got Stephen Mosher coming. We've got Peter Hernandez candidate for the 18th district and lots of other information. We'll be right back right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. Welcome back. You're listening to Lifeline with Craig Roberts, but I'm not Craig Roberts. Craig Roberts is uh, on vacation, a much needed vacation. And you're listening to KFAX San Francisco. We have a special guest with us. I told you he was going to be on. He is a great American and a good Christian man. He is right now a supervisor in San Benito County. And I'm going to have him talk about how that happened. But more importantly, where he'd like to go next, because you're aware there's a great battle in the spirit. There are issues facing our nation. And Peter Hernandez wants to have Congress address them. Peter, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you, Brian. Appreciate your time.
1: Oh, no, we appreciate you, my friend, because we know your time is really full. I want you to just start off and talk about where you're running and why and uh, some of the challenges of this campaign, but why you're undaunted. And uh, I see that. And I, again, I'm very proud of you. I'm proud to give you this platform. So go ahead and tell folks why you're doing this. So uh,
2: thank you, Brian. Yeah. Hello, everybody. My name is Peter Hernandez. I'm a current sitting San Mateo County supervisor who's running for congressional district 18. So this district uh, starts basically in, in uh, San Jose just before the airport. So it's a portion of San Jose and it goes all the way down to King City. Everything on the 101 corridor. Uh, it it, it kind of cuts into uh, the, the the coastal area. Basically, separates the coastal area. So it's there's two congressional districts parallel to each other, and it's shifted to where now uh, the current um, representative Jimmy Panetta for for what was San Bernardino, what for the congressional district it used to be, it's now officially um, congressional district 18. So um, so yeah, so it's it's a big shift in the demographic. Now you have a higher percentage of Latino voters. Now uh, you have, uh, if you look at the breakdown, what it used to be uh, Santa Clara, Silicon Valley, now it's not that. Now it's, you know, it's a portion of it, the South San Jose portion, but for the most part, it really is the middle class. So the struggles with, um, you know, obviously with the breakdown of, of, of our communities, right, the culture, the, the lack of, I think, of engagement to respect the local authorities, you know, now everything has been pretty top down, the process, and that's damaged not only, it, I, I, you know, I've said this before, it makes us as local elected impotent to be able to address the needs of our communities. Um, and I don't think the constitution was intended for us to be a top-down government. I firmly believe it was the opposite. It was your average everyday folks getting involved in the civic process with strong moral conviction to do the right thing ultimately, right? And, and, uh, and by default, that means you're, you're coalition building per se with the communities of interest that you serve. And then at that point, you grow that support system so that way whatever decisions are made are reflective of the needs of that community that you're supposed to serve. So and that's where I come from. I am grassroots. I am middle class. If you look at this, the geography of this district, two thirds of it is rural and agricultural, which, I, you know, so when you look at the breakdown of this district, I like to tell the people that I'm in front of, I am Congressional District 18.
1: Yeah, um, let me let me just point a couple of things out real quickly because uh, I, by the way, I've asked. This is very important. This race, and again, in your San Jose area, it starts there and it goes right down one hundred and one. What Peter understands, by the way, the Democrats, as you know in California, have laid claim to the state through how they draw the maps, and this district is is basically considered. Oh, that's a Democrat district. Oh, it'll never be one. In fact, even the Republican Party, I'll tell you. I'm, I know the California Republican Party, and many times I'm ashamed because they aren't fighting for the real principles. So you have to look for the candidates that are going to fight for the principles and organizations like ours and radio stations like KFAX that are going to give you the facts. And this particular district is considered a Democrat district. But what, what's the registration Peter?
2: The registration is just below fifty percent. It's three hundred and forty six thousand registered voters out of three quarters of a million people. So so yeah, it's somewhere in the forties, and that's a hundred percent. Um, which means that yeah, turnout is obviously a lot less than that.
1: Right. And it's Spanish speaking. These a lot of the new part of this district. And you could probably tell this no I gotta tell you, Peter is incredibly well spoken. I've heard him speak. The man is eloquent on the foundations of the United States of America, but His native language is Spanish, and he is going to take this to the Spanish speaking community. They have been lied to by the Democrat Party and also Democrats been lied to. I hope folks are paying attention. I know in San Francisco, Democrats kicked out the leftist radical school board. This is incredible. This has never happened before. There are Democrats that have had enough. I can think of no finer representative of what the Republican party really is. Again, I've had enough of rhinos. I want people who stand for principles. And so Peter is there to stand for principles. He speaks Spanish and uh, is going to bring it to the new voters that's very exciting. And the Democrats and even the Republican Party doesn't know what to do about it. Peter, tell us more now about this district and what your plans are.
2: So, yeah, like you shared, Brian, it's it's a lot more of a Latino voter breakdown. Um, it's there's there's a grassroots engagement. that's starting to happen. You know, moms, as an example, very engaged with the school issues and school choice and obviously Against the mandates, right? We're seeing these things starting to pan out where the grassroots are starting to get very engaged. It's a very exciting time. Um, so, so when I look at my district, the mama bears are definitely a force to be reckoned with there. Mm-hmm. So are the um, the Latinos, Latinos that are starting to really shift in their in their mindset when it comes yes. down to what is what does it actually mean uh, representative government, right? So the the sense that you know that the person in office is actually one of you, one of the people that is intended on making sure that your voice is heard in Washington D.C., and that—that that is my goal. So when you look at the breakdown of this district, it's very much the I call, you know, and I and I did pick, I I would say I took this from Charlie Kirk is very much the muscular class is my district, and uh, yes. that is who I am. You know, I am Congressional District 18. So the, the when it comes down to it, this these this community is very excited to see. Someone that's that's not just not just like them, but has gone through the ropes, has dealt with the issues. You know, I've dealt with the lockdowns. I fought them. I brought forward an informed consent resolution, um, and that ultimately was the goal was to show respect for the community that we intended to serve. Because I really do, and that's one of the things I think isn't talked about enough is I really have confidence in in the public, and my decision making shows that. But what I've seen is the Democrat sentiment is very much anti the actual people. And that's what the, the Latino community is starting to wake up to is say, yeah, you know what? They're not really thinking about us when they're making decisions, when they're making these broad decisions that are destroying our economy, that's making life a lot harder and that, that is hurting our families. And now mm-hmm. we don't even have a choice when it comes to our children. Uh, those, that's not representative of who we are as a community. In the Latino community, there's three things I think that matter. The individual we love to, to uh, pick ourselves up with by our own bootstraps, right? We we, we don't mind hard yes. work. We're not afraid of it. Yes. Uh, we, uh, we also believe in our faith. We have a faith in God. Mm-hmm. We, we love God. We, we want him respected. Um, and then we also believe in the family. We think the family yes. is a vital component of the culture of our, of our, the fabric of our communities. And the more we build up families, the more we strengthen them, the more we strengthen the middle class, the better everybody does, right? They are the, I would say they are the, um, the the upholders of a stable economy because they're the they're the unique folks that are entrepreneurial in spirit. They're the ones that are creating things that are uh, ultimately creating an outcome that uh, is ultimately America. Right. What makes America great is I think the middle class is the big essence of who we are.
1: That's right. And real quickly, um, this this is a great opportunity. Peter, uh, tell folks where they can find out more, please. What's your website where they can get more about? About who you are so, and what you're doing.
2: I appreciate it. Yeah, so it's hernandezforcongress.com, hernandezforcongress.com. com, um, Yeah, and you could email me at peter at hernandezforcongress.com. Uh, those are those are the two locations that you could uh, you know digitally. Or otherwise, if you want to call me, my number is 831-610-4555. six one zero four five five five. I'd love to take your input, and, and you know, ultimately, I'd love to build the team and with you a part of it.
1: That's right. I got to tell you, I've, I've spent time with Peter. I've spent time, uh, met his wife, and, and I think your kids were there, but this is a family man himself. Again, what I like is that Peter has already put his life into this. He's already studied. He, there's a lot of people now waking up. Peter has studied to show himself approved. He understands Robert's rules. He understands that you have to present your points and do it effectively. He's done it on the board of supervisors. He's a businessman, a successful businessman. And I tell you what, there's so much, Peter, I'm going to hold this over. We're going to take a break now. I've asked Peter to stay with us. I want him to tell us more about this fight and about why California has hope You're hearing in the media there's no hope, and yet there's glimmers of hope. We're going to talk about that and why, and I think especially, the Hispanic community. They are Americans in their heart. (laughs) I hate to be so bold. I'm an immigrant. My folks came here from Ireland, and I love America. They wanted me to be an American. I actually, I've been given dual citizenship by the Irish. Well, I want to be an American. So it's important to understand that's what makes America is real immigrants committed to the principles of America. We're going to be right back right after this with Peter Hernandez, candidate for Congress. You're listening to the Craig Roberts program Lifeline on KFAX San Francisco. Right back after this